Hello and welcome to the Hockey Hurts Podcast for June 7th of 2017. I'm Ryan Wilson, Penguins writer for HockeyBuzz.com. I'm Cameron Walsh from HockeyHurts.com. This edition of the podcast, we will recap games three and four of the Stanley Cup Final. Series is tied 2-2. Two to two. We have a best of three with Pittsburgh having home ice advantage. Game five will be tomorrow, based on when we're recording this. So tomorrow night we will uh, get the pivotal game five. Cup will be in the building on game six, no matter what. And we will discuss all the kind of, you know, how players are playing, how the coaches are coaching, uh, all sorts of things will pop up within those game recaps. We will also touch on the the joke of the NHL competition <laughs> committee. Uh, they're, they're fucking <laughs> terrible. And we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that. And then we got some listener questions. And, yes, Ron Hainsey will come up, listeners. <laughs> we will get to that. There were a lot of questions yeah. about him. All pretty similar. Um, go, go figure. And, um, you know whatever else so game three nashville does not go down three nothing uh it was the first time in the series i thought process matched result i thought nashville really deserved to win that game and and they did and then um game four they obviously won as well but we'll, we'll start with game three well matt murray turned into a human yeah um and and for me that was pretty much – it's the way the whole playoffs is sort of run. It was like when Fleury was human, they lost. When Fleury was playing above his normal self, they won. And that's sort of how it's felt when Murray's been in net. He's – you know, he's bound to have a bad game here and there. Um, but process matched the results. It was, you know, the drapes matched the curtains. It was all very good, so – can't complain if you if you're bloody if you're freaking the predators, can you? And I really think the only difference from Nashville being up three nothing or being down two to one is Rene did not go sub eight hundred again. He actually played really well. Yeah, yeah. It's it's it is one of those it's one of those situations where you this series is being dictated, the results are being dictated by the goalie at either end of the ice. It doesn't seem to matter how well the teams in the middle play uh, for each other. It's it's going to come down to what happens in net. And that kind of is a bit frustrating for me. I would like process to, to be rewarded. Even if that means Pittsburgh lose, um, it would be nice. Um, it would be nice to see correct what i would consider correct and fun hockey to be rewarded for being exactly that yeah you're following the wrong sport over no, over, should... over time you'll get that not in you a seven game me. series no not when you have high-end players that can make up for some of that i'm okay if the high-end players do it what i don't like though is that one position can do it totally on hot streak so I'm not, like, you look at, I'm just trying to come up with a, an example. Like, you look at, I suppose you can use Rene as an example. His playoff run this year is the best run of games he's had in a long time. This season was a better season he's had previously in the past. So you can see some form of um, current development of this sort of performance occurring, but it only takes the one position in this sport to get hot and the whole team aspect that this sport goes on about dies you know it's like having a pitcher that just becomes unpitchable doesn't matter what the other team do the game's already out of your hand and i don't like the fact that goalies in this day and age seem to be able to do that more often than not well that bleeds into our whole how do you increase offense you just call more penalties to in which will in turn increase scoring chances and high danger chances yeah, we have plenty of evidence suggesting that high danger save percentage is well lower than the normal save percentage. So if you can increase opportunity for high danger, you don't have to get into this discussion about larger nets and all that other nonsense. No. The uh, other thing that's the only thing is... I'll add to your pitching thing: pitchers yeah. can't pitch every game. No, 
goalie same can play concept. Every game. I agree, but um, yeah, you can run the same goalie out there, um, That's especially what, it, so it, it, because NHL playoffs, at least, they don't play back to back. No, and the the, the other thing that's um, I think that with the high danger thing, you you were literally just talking about if we create more high danger chances, we will separate the elite from the rest. And whilst we can start to see that gap in goaltending um, show up more in regards to five-on-five save percentages and things along those lines and being able to differentiate, you know, save percentages in certain um, zones, like certain danger areas and stuff like that, um, creating more of those high-danger chances, you will see guys like, you know, the next Henrik Lundqvist will stick out more because his high-danger save percentage is that much better than most of the rest of the league. And I think that would be great as well to be able to show and prove that, yes, this goaltender is so much better because these really, really dangerous shots, he stops more of them. Correct. Um, Honestly, as far as Game 3 is concerned, I don't really have much to add. It looked looked a lot like Games 1 and 2, but without... 20% 20% to 30% of the shots going in against Nashville. Yeah. Yep. You're exactly right. <clears throat> I think Nashville owned the Penguins for the first three games. Oh, I can't, I can't find an argument to that either. And weirdly enough, game four, Pittsburgh split <clears throat> and actually had a slight advantage in, in shot at their scoring chances and high danger. A little bit lower. I think just one shot lower than, I can't remember. It was basically almost a 50-50 split of everything, uh, which is an improvement for Pittsburgh. They didn't get the result they wanted because Rene was like 970 that game, and Murray was sub-900 again. And it's encouraging for Pittsburgh. They're in a best of three, and at least showed signs of being able to split those different areas to where they were just getting dummied in the three games prior. And I would argue... They have better offensive players, so if they're going to, you know, hypothetically from a logic standpoint, if you're going to split these chances, I, I would take my chances with the the better offensive players. Yeah, no, you, you, you're right in that context. You, it's it's funny that they've played their best game at, at game four. They've lost two in a row uh, on top of that, but if you're a if you're the Penguins, you've got to feel good about the quality of chances that you got and trust the process that the guys that are getting those chances will actually put them in the net. Yeah, at least four come to my mind of um, the leading goal scorer in the playoffs with Gensel. He, <laughs> he, 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 they didn't go in that game. Um, as far as I'm concerned, right spot, right choices, uh, it will go in. This is this is really harsh, right? You you push ahead and they lose the series in six games or seven games or whatever. Does he have sleepless nights over that ten or fifteen minute stretch where he just couldn't get the puck fast, Rene? I don't like, know. It depends that, on his mindset. For a guy that's so young, like that would be so frustrating. It's just it's funny how it works. It's you look at that and uh, one of them he flubbed himself. The other one, Rene. One Rene got across really, really well. Um, he got mugged on the empty net that he couldn't get the couldn't get the the puck off his stick, and Rene got across and, and managed to push it away as well. So you sit there and they're like, these are really good opportunities. Um, let's hope it, it doesn't um doesn't blow his mind. I had a overtime chance in a national semifinal game in college that didn't go in. I tried. Um, it's kind of a, a left to right play and I'm right handed on the right side and I tried going five hole knowing that the goalie was had to spread and come across and, and it hit his stick in a way that it, it just didn't go uh, at the time of course I'm pissed we ended up losing the game and it wasn't like a, a bang bang open net thing but for a while I'm just like what the fuck why, why couldn't I just put it in the net and you know over the as time goes on, I'm like, well, it wasn't a bad choice or bad execution. It just didn't go in. Yeah. But I have personal experience of a high leverage 
high leverage in my career moment. Not comparing it to a Stanley Cup final. But... No, 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 but it's it's all relative. It's 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 the leverage point of, of what you were doing at the time. So it makes hey, I've been in the same situation. I was lucky enough to score a couple of goals in in playing football in that situation. So um, I always do wonder what would happen if I'd missed them. <laughs> you know? So it's like cross your fingers and and hope that you don't. Um, you gotta be happy if you're in Nashville though. After your goaltender absolutely crapped the bet on you and put you in a situation where you had to win the two games, they went out and did quite a good job to actually go ahead and do that, make the most of the chances they had, and brutalized Pittsburgh's breakout. Their forecheck, um, Pittsburgh have to do something about their breakout, otherwise their forward, it doesn't matter how much better their forwards are with what the rosters are, are left remaining on the ice, they can't get the puck. Yeah, and before we get to that, I'll just say, you know, it's tough to go down 0-2 when you know you've, you've been the better team. And it's not 0-2 anymore. They, they dug out of that hole, um, even though game four was kind of a, a coin flip-ish kind of game. Yeah. But they're back, and they've outplayed Pittsburgh three out of four. They're tied. That's not the worst thing ever. If they were down three-one under the same circumstance, that would be like Jesus Christ. What 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 the fuck is going on here? And um, <laughs> it's not the case. And but the reason they're outplaying is you just alluded to it. The big matchup for me was <clears throat> how can Pittsburgh's better forwards go up against Nashville's better D, and how could uh, Nashville's lesser forwards go up against probably the least impressive group of the entire final, the, the Pittsburgh defensemen. And right now, Nashville is, a, is... Forwards are obliterating Pittsburgh's defense. And without controlled exits, you're not going to get controlled entries. And the, the forward advantage is null and void for Pittsburgh right now. It's, it's the one... It's the, speed is a great equalizer... And the fact that um, one of the guys asked the question, uh, Kung Fu Cam actually asked, how is the team without their best offensive player dominating the Panthers' bag? Well, it comes to the fact that the replacements that LaViolette's going to put into the lineup are still able to use their speed and their smarts to force the Penguins' defenders into panic plays, into treating the puck like a grenade, and having no thought process, at least it looks like it, having no thought process out there at all in regards to what they want to do with the puck when they get it. They don't have any idea what they want to do. And I've got two guys in my head in particular that I'd like to have not play anymore, but that's not going to happen. And, and who would those be? Well, total adds up to 68. Okay. Oh, wow. Okay. So Ron Hainsey being 65. Yeah. Uh, let's start there. And then, because I think the other one, uh, I'm not completely sold on benching, even though it hasn't looked great lately. Ron Hansey, on the other hand, that needs to stop. And it needed to stop a month ago. Yeah. I, you know. I don't understand. I don't We I don't can go get through it. the Corsi stuff, which isn't going to um, paint him in a positive light. Or you could just watch the plays and know that none of them are skillful. None of them are contributing to the exits or entries that this team needs. You can look at when the Penguins do finally get zone time and start a cycle and the forwards are buzzing a little bit. Eventually, even the best forwards in the league, Crosby, you got to kick it up top to the point man it's, you know, to spread the D back out, the five-man unit. Well, who, who's the, the play always die on? Yeah, no, he's not it's... walking the blue line to create a shooting <clears throat> lane. He's not walking it to create a new passing lane. Here are the options. Either a, um, a, a hope and a prayer wrist shot, which, you know, let's be honest, some of those can get tipped in. Or it's just up the boards and then a Sidney Cross. Even if it is Sid who, who is like Velcro taking the puck off the wall, you're still taking the puck off the wall. It's not a direct pass. You're putting more work on the forwards. And it's just not contributing to any form of offense. 
which I, is the team's I, strength. So, yeah, I, I think what frustrates me the most is the appearance of lack of care factor and actually getting the puck out with control when he's in the defensive zone. I don't think the it's lack of, time, of care. No, that's I, what I mean. It's, it's not that he doesn't care. That's just how it looks. At this point of the year, everybody cares. Everybody is trying their heart out. Nobody is giving less than everything that they've got. That's I'm not arguing any of that. It's the appearance of how he goes about it that makes it look that way. That's what I find so uh, disappointing about what he's doing out there is that he just doesn't look like he knows what he's doing. And he, he, he can't have got to this level and be this clueless. I'm willing to bet that um, partly some of it is, Ron, play it safe. Just get it out. And yeah. now we're back yep. to dog shit. Um, can the Penguins forwards luckily pick up a bouncing puck in the neutral zone and get an entry? Or can they chip it in and go chase it and then win a battle? That's that's not what Penguin success is bred upon. Or, for no, that matter, no really, <laughs> what any team should be. It's like in soccer when when you're, you're a lesser skilled team and you just bomb the ball on a long um, pass. You know, you just kick it in the air fire and hope your guy outruns the other guy. That's basically what's happening here. It's not an effective strategy. How do you fix it? You bench his ass. He should know. There's there's nothing. Nothing about the other areas of his game which are going to give you a net positive based on how negative this other stuff is. Yep. And you need to look at it from, is this player a net positive? And the answer with Ron Hainsey is completely no. And what compounds the problem even more is when you are playing him top-pairing minutes. Which is what he's getting. I wrote That's about it at the time of the trade. You need to play this guy bottom pairing minutes if you want him to be effective. But they aren't, like, at all. That's the complete opposite. And the results are speaking for themselves. This was predictable. And for some people, Mike Sullivan is above criticism, and a lot of people want to appeal to authority. And let me tell you, Mike Sullivan does a lot of very good things, and he's got his team in back-to-back Stanley Cup final. That's He's doing things right. That doesn't mean that I need to overlook, or anybody else needs to overlook, glaring mistakes that are not maximizing the team's ability to succeed. This is a glaring omission of logic. I know everyone's got blind spots. Everybody does. This doesn't seem like it's a he loves Ron Hainsey as a person or a player. I just think he, he looks at the other option he's got and can't see any improvement in what in what's there. But I can't see how putting in straight or Ruedel, although I think he's out with concussion still, or, heaven forbid, Derek Pouliot, into that lineup that the errors that they make any worse than anything that Hainsey has produced, and at least with Pouliot, you know he has the potential to be able to skate the puck out himself and actually make an exit pass. Small sample size alert. Straight leads <laughs> um, in his three games played has a 66% possession rating, and he objectively is a better passer, so... You know, and there's nothing about past history that would speak to Hainsey being better at these areas than Stray, even if, you know, you can disregard the, the three-game sample I'm throwing out there. But he hasn't done bad in the few times he's been given a shot. Plus, he has ability to play on the power play, which is one for 13? One is for it? too many. We'll talk about that in a little bit, but... <laughs> I don't it's the most popular thing that shows up in my Twitter notifications is Ron Hainsey and I don't have an answer for it why is Ron Hainsey playing when is he going to be benched I don't know and probably not so what what's 
I, I understand the I get the logic behind the whole Haynes over Pouliot experience thing, all of that garbage. I get that. But that's not the same argument for straight. That's the bit that I don't get. You've got to. What's the Hainsey experience to... argument? This is his first playoff run, and he's not yeah. playing well in it. No, and they're playing him in. It's almost like they're taking it with a badge of honor that we're going to get through this with six players playing around about twenty minutes each. I mean, that's... you could sell it to the players that way. That's a whole different thing. No, but that's what it looks like when they're talking about it out and about to the rest of the world and all that sort of stuff as well. But sure, that's you fine. Take yeah. all that with a grain of salt. You sit down in a room with your cohorts, you have got to come up with something better than what's going out there because right now, this back six comprised the way they have it put together at the moment is destroying this team's chance. Whether Murray goes 970 the rest of the way or not, destroying this team's chance of actually doing something that hasn't been done since 97, 98. And you're at this point now, it, you just got to throw Every, you just got to ride it. You got to ride it for three games. You're not trying to get from game 60 to 82 now. You literally just have to load up on your horses and kill them. Yeah, and um, compounding the Hainsey problem, playing top pairing minutes, is you continue to see Mata Daly as a pairing, which has been <laughs> a complete disaster the entire year. Yeah, you could probably show me a few isolated games where they had good games. Well, fuck, I hope so. It's been like almost 70 games. Mm-hmm. And Mata, who you, 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 I assume, if my math is correct, 65 plus 3 is 68. Um, I haven't got an Excel spreadsheet out. I'm not sure if I've got that right, but I think I have. So Ali Mata is the same conversation it's always been. probably an elevated status due to his time with Matt Niskanen, and then it's a mixed bag um, since then. Uh, what's not a mixed bag is playing with Daily Sucks for him. And <laughs> when he was with Schultz, he played well that one game, but the Penguins lost. So you're back to, well, we didn't win, so that must not have been a, the right thing to do. Surely their analysis isn't that simplistic, though. Surely. I don't know what their analysis is. I'm just... That's the scary thing about that, though. It's like, surely it's not that simplistic. You go, that pairing, actually, we got a lot out of Marta in that particular situation. Why not try and repeat that? I don't... I just, That's the bit that I don't understand. The, um... It just... It's like ramming your head into the wall, like, on a full sprint over and over again. Oh, maybe I won't... <laughs> Maybe I won't fall down this time. I don't get it. And here's what needs to be done in my estimation. You need to play Schultz and Dumoulin together for like 25 minutes plus. And Schultz probably, his ribs probably aren't feeling all that great right now. Dumoulin is probably exhausted carrying a carcass around for two months. (laughs) But those are your best puck movers. And... If you play them together in the most, you're going to maximize the other forwards on the team. And I can't think of another way with this specific six guys how you would maximize the forwards other than pairing up Dumoulin and and Schultz. What do you do with the other four? I don't think it really matters because it's a dumpster fire right now as it is. At least almost half the game would be okay if you paired those other two up because you you pair those two up i'd then put daly and and cole together and just hide hainsey and mara that's hainsey and straight were actually had good numbers in their bottom pairing role at the beginning of the time period where where they were when they were first acquired play them in a sheltered role it's like they're so fearful that if they lob out the combinations that we've mentioned that they're going to be that bad, like that bottom pair is going to be so bad that there's no coming back from it. But this team has won all year on playing to win, and right now it legitimately feels like the coaching staff are coaching not to lose. And it's the first time I have felt that way all playoffs, 
all the time since we've had Sullivan there. Um, that was the big thing I liked about him when he came on as coach is he played to win. And, and right now, it feels like he's playing to not lose, and I think that's what's where some of these roster decisions are coming out of. Well, even if you're playing not to lose and Chris Letang's out there for 30 minutes, he's going to play to win. So <laughs> even if your well, strategy yeah. is um, like that, you know, losing Letang is pretty uh, – it sucks. It does. So Trevor Daly, what are his pros? He can skate. Okay, what else? Decent passer. But what is he most known? Like, what is his contribution usually to... Because his possession Score. throughout his career is... Scoring! Great. Scoring! Offensive production. He has played in, I believe, 19 games in this postseason, if I have it right. And he has one even strength point. He's got three on the power play. And that's fine. I mean, but he has one five-on-five point in 19 games. Possession's not his thing. Hasn't been his thing. Um, Never will be his thing. Uh, I made an observation the other day on Twitter. I've never seen a, a... player skate as well as daily and not take all of the real estate that's given to him a lot of times he's choosing to chip and dump the puck when he can still go further and draw a guy in by dumping it in prematurely he's giving the team a head start he's not drawing anybody to him I hadn't thought of it that way but yeah now that you mention it um, and he does he's right he it's like he he doesn't trust himself to get the dumpy. So we have people that manually track hockey <clears throat> for us, Ryan Stimson being one, Corey Schneider being the other one, and Corey uh, showed up in my mentions, and he's like, yeah, this is true. And um, I don't think anybody's watched <laughs> more hockey than him, so take it up with, with Corey. To, he corroborates w- what I was kind of getting at there. And to me, how do, you, how do coaches missing that? Trevor, take Take it a little bit more. Take it longer. Draw somebody in. You're fast. Draw a penalty. You draw a guy in, and then you can baby chip it to a space, and then the quick forwards can go get it. But when you're hammering it at the red line when you still have five strides to go, the goalie can stop it. The defenseman know it's going in, so they start cheating backwards. You can't have that going on if you're only going to have one even strength point, and that's your whole thing. Yeah, no, it's um. So Strike should probably me. be pay- playing over him as well, but Strike can't play for Hainsey and um, Daly, and that leaves Ruedel and Pouliot, who's not going to get in. But it, the Pouliot thing's a much larger conversation. But it's funny you watch Ron Hainsey turn the puck over four times in one shift. I'm sure some of you out there have seen that that tweet that that has that clip on it and um i just don't know why the standard is different for for the defensive defensemen who give you nothing no upside offensively if they can't get that part right then what the hell good are they and then you have a guy that can make uh facilitate into transitional plays but they make the similar mistake and it's lights out you're to the minor leagues yeah, I've never, I've, I've never understood that aspect of it. It's so weird. Let's be honest. Their, their shitty handling of Pouliot. <clears throat> now, mind you, I don't think I'm not saying Pouliot would be a difference maker in a grand way. I'm saying but he's not an he op- could handle a he- bottom pairing role and not sh- puke all over himself every night like Ron Hainsey is. He's not even an option at the moment because of how they treated him earlier in the year, because of how they went about it. Yeah, you want to look, they've never invested time into him, appropriate no. time, and now you're left playing these veterans that are, <clears throat> you're relying on Matt Murray to go 950 right now. And that's what frustrated me about the entire year. I've, I've said it many a time on the podcast, that the lack of 
the lack of faith and the lack of patience with Pouliot and what he could provide would burn this team. I thought it would burn them to the point where they wouldn't get this far in the playoffs. But the lack of the lack of right side of depth on this this roster is you know is panning out because of because of it, unfortunately. And I wrote the, about the that, Tang insurance all last summer, and I threw out names like Mata and Hornquist as trade bait. And what and we're going to talk about not only Hornquist, but Hagland and Kunitz and maybe even Shiri about fight in, in their playoff runs that they've had. Hornquist has been playing fourth line, and I know he was hurt a little bit, but, like, he... The Penguins are strong at forward. They still are. <clears throat> they can get... The, I always said they could get by without Hornquist. They're not doing as well on the back end without Latang and... It was an, it was something that I saw coming in July. Yeah. Even if Latang was healthy, they they still weren't a good defense core. Nope. It's been totally neglected. And Mata, who had pretty good value last summer, his he's been tracking towards being who he is right now for a couple of years. And and that includes the injury stuff. But there were so fly, uh, fly on the wall would be really interesting to know how many ideas did the guy that's now no longer in the organization popped up well, to say, I, hey, how, you know, how, how, how do you know? That's the stuff that I would find thoroughly interesting <clears throat> is to try and work that kind of garbage out. That would be great. Because things changed when he started getting listened to. Well, that's, you know, that's an assumption as well. It's a hypothesis I can get behind, but we'll never be able to prove it. I think we will, because he's not there, and we're going to be able to see what happens in the next two seasons. Well, I'll say this. This offseason's a lot more precarious for the Penguins than last offseason, where pretty much everybody but Ben Lovejoy returned. Yeah, there, there are decisions that have to be made here. And the brain that I trust is not there anymore. So that's the that's the situation I sit at with with that. But I I don't know if if we love all the way back to like to, to game three and four. Um, there's not much more that you're asking an awful lot of Matt Murray and you're asking an awful lot of the forwards to attempt to collect pucks that aren't in control. And it's definitely affecting some of the guys in regards to their ability to just generate shots at net, let alone on goal, just generate a shot. So we'll shift from piling on the defense for a little bit, which, you know, easy pickings. (laughs) And let's talk about the Swedish forwards who came into the playoffs hurt. That's, That's legit. But... You kind of need depth production at some point. Haglin has one point in 13 games, and yes, the foot thing, but he only had six goals the entire season. It's not like he was having a, a quality year for, for Pittsburgh like he did when he first came over last year. And I would argue his points per 60 are way down. <clears throat> That's his MO, though. That's the, one of the biggest complaints I remember from Rangers fans about about Hagelin. It, it, it's all sort of there, but it doesn't quite ever eventuate into anything tangible. That was always sort of the, the biggest complaint and fr- my biggest frustration about him. Um, and the fact that the broken foot really wrecked his one um, physical skill set that separated him from everybody else in the ice, it's a tough transition. Don't think he knows how to get to the places he needs to get to without being able to skate around them. Yeah, and he's um, 2.04 points per 60 last year in the regular season, 1.47 this year. That's quite a drop. And that's before the foot. Like, that's the thing. Like, Yeah, the track record was saying not a great year as it yeah. is. Um, he's a 46% possession player these playoffs as well so 
not driving play. Mind you, some of it's fourth line minutes, but not producing. I would look up points per 60, but I don't have that available right now, and I don't feel like our listeners would <laughs> like me to wait to do the math on it. So, no, let's look. Uh, Patrick Hornquist in 17 games played has six points at even strength. And furthermore, I know he hasn't um, been on the number one power play each and every game, but he has one power play point in those 17 games. Even worse, he's a sub-40% possession player. Usually his shot attempt metrics are pretty good. But he also isn't with Sid and Gino anymore. So you have to ask yourself, what's his worth if he's not with those two? And do you have to shoehorn him in, broken hand or not, and try to see what you can get out of him? Yeah, it's not um, It's not promising for Hornquist when he's away from Sid and Gino. Like, he really does drop off. For me, he's a guy that I look to shop aggressively in the summer because mostly because of age and future contract. And it's overkill with Sprong coming, uh, Aston Reese coming. Uh, you already have Kessel, Rusk, Sheary, and Gensel that can play the right side. Oh, the, he doesn't need to be there. You look at, you look at what he can do um, with his skill set and then you go... Well, Jake Gensel does the exact same thing anyway. He stands in the exact same spots, gets whacked around just as much, and has better hands anyway. Yeah. So the difference between Hornquist and Gensel on that number one power play is when Phil does the Phil curl, and Gino's in the or Gino or Schultz are in the center of the ice, and that top PK guy is going to Phil's um, shooting lane. He kicks that puck down low to that that strong side spot near the goal line. Hornquist is a catch-and-ram guy. He's just going to catch it and try to ram a goal in. Gensel could slip it to Sid back door or try and sneak one in. Yeah. I'd more much prefer, yeah. Yep, they, they, yeah, much prefer exactly what you just and, said. And the whole, is, can his frame take it and the beating, in front, a lot of that's overrated. He's there. He's okay. setting screens. Um, the difference is Hornquist also engages a lot of that physical, but but it's not leading to more. No, not for the no, power no. play, in, in my opinion. It's like watching a, a dog try and swim. It's a lot of action, not a lot of movement. <laughs> it's pretty funny. Um, and then there's Chris Kunitz, who, believe it or not, has six points in his last five games uh, <laughs> at even strength. He's the leader, I believe. He's oh, come on strong lately. Um, but he's 38 or maybe 37. He's in his late 30s. It, it's tough to... Look, he's as old as me. It's not good. <laughs> it's tough to rely on his, his body to consistently produce at this point. Uh, benefit being only three games, he probably knows it, so... <laughs> oh, it's it's just it's one of those things where as a fan they're so close to doing something that's so rare and the well hasn't been done in the in the cap era. Um, I suppose that's why I've been so ultra critical of, of this situation, and that's not to try and take away from the fact that you know Nashville did heavily outplay them for games one to three. The one time that they kind of got it right. Um, Rene did actually play quite well, so yeah, he this, he stole the game. Yeah, and, and and if Pittsburgh play that well again in the next three games and still lose out, I'm okay. If they if they can give us the volume of high danger chances they had in game four, for games five, six, and seven, I'll take the odds that those forwards will win that contest with Rene, then they won't. And if they don't, I'll it's take, like you said, it's okay. Well. You know, tip your hat. Yeah, exactly. And just go, well, he'll be there, Con Smythe. And then you go, yep, that's fair enough. I can totally understand that. 
So that's perfectly well. If you get if you get Con Smythe by a goalie, well, you're pretty fucked. You know, there's not a real lot you can do about it. Unless you're the Devils or the Oilers. Yeah, that's true. The the few rare times the the, the losing goalies gotten the award. Um, I guess the only thing I have to add, uh, Phil, um, great playoff run. He's actually putting up about the same amount of points he, he's he did last playoff run where i thought he should have won the con smythe over sid uh differences right now his 5v5 production is um, not good enough considering he's been playing with malkin for a majority of it i thought kessel had one of his better games in game four and at times he he wasn't playing with malkin he he was with um cullen and kunitz he just looks like a guy that's forgotten that he's got a real really good shot and just needs to let it let it rip and I also think the splitting of Sid Gino and, and Phil, that gives you the opportunity for at least one of those guys <clears throat> to not get a, a one of the top four predator defensemen. At some point, you're going to see the bottom pairing if you split those yeah. lines. Um, and and if, when you get towards the end of the game, if you need a goal, yeah, you you can load up. But but when you start the game and spread it like that, I think it's more. I think that would be my strategic move at this point. I, it's it's funny. These next three games can cement the mystical aura that is around Mike Sullivan in Pittsburgh at the moment. If he gets it right and does the line tweaks and stuff that everybody keeps giving him credit for. And they win, then it's going to be very hard to. Um, I have no problem with his experimentation uh, with the forwards. No, 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 no. But it's 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 one of those things where he needs to make some changes to try and do you know try and get what you said. You want to get those three guys out there, one of those three guys out there at least against the third pairing more often than not. Um, so if he does the tweaking back end and front end and and gets it right, he'll be known as the line whisperer if they come away and win this thing. Uh, oh, now I know what I was going to say. Um, <laughs> lost my train of thought for a second there. Malkin Oops. played a minute less than Cullen at even strength last game. That that can't Yeah, it can't, although I know he wasn't great, but you still got to get him, just get him out there. Yeah, but him not great doesn't really mean much to me when you're chasing a few goals and... Yeah. You're right. You're Any exactly given right. moment, he's going to give you the moment that you need. It's really funny because there were situations where he looked like he was going to do that. Like he was flying out there and was, was you know, aggressively at the puck or aggressively attacking players when he had the puck. And it's just it's really funny with Juno sometimes. You see him, you go, holy crap, this looks like he's about to go nuts. And it all just sort of peters out on him. I, I, can't, I can't explain it. They should be. It's, it's him and Sid good. need to be playing 20 minutes plus. There three are three games, left, games left, left in the year. They are leaving their physical. Well, they already are out of their physical primes, but their pre-twilight years are still better than everybody else's. Ride them. It's the final. Good grief. Matt Collins like really. 40. Um, hasn't really done much offensively. I don't think these these playoffs. I thought last no, year he was a better. Obviously, he was better give, last I'll year. I'll give Colin credit where credit's due, though. He's carrying the load of no Benino. He's, he's also every... carrying every defensive zone faceoff, and I get that. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't care. You can't just. You're gonna have to let Malkin take some D zone draws. He it's, not that bad thing with Gino anyway. it's not that bad a thing with Gino anyway. He doesn't well, want one. He's not good in the um, how the NHL measures faceoff stats. Like his winning percentage is, is not great, but I don't view faceoff percentage as a meaningful stat in the first place. I I I do agree that winning the puck back to your guy is ideal. But that tells me nothing about how the other team reacts to that and sets up a forecheck. It tells me nothing about the team's ability to break it out from a clean breakout. All those things are not 
taken into consideration with faceoff percentage, but they are taken into consideration in shot attempts and scoring chances and high danger chances. So, I'd like to see Gino get the puck a little bit more in the defensive third, to be honest, and have him skate through, have him draw players to him. Because when he's got when he's got some speed on his wings, whether it's Rust or Kessel or bloody Sherry or whoever they're going to have, I would, I would put Rust on his line. I don't like the Rust and Sid combination. I never really have. I would put at some point. You need a guy Sheary. like Connor Sheary to step up because Haglin and Hornquist haven't. Just put him with Sid with Gensel. That line was meant. At the moment, it feels like whoever's the other guy on that pair is just along for the ride anyway. And Sheary seems Sheary smart wasn't enough. along for the ride earlier. In the no, no, no. And, and right clearly he's got, at least his coach said he had some confidence things going on. But feed him those minutes. Maybe throw Rust with um, Malkin. I don't know if you put him on the left side and prop Hornquist up, because I don't know what to do with Hornquist here. It's, it's almost like he has to play with Sid or Gino. Playing with Gino, then. Gino's used to lugging slow guys around. Yeah, yeah you know what? Up. He does have a career of it. Like, Ryan Malone has... Way better hands than Hornquist, but he was never fleet of foot. Fedotenko no. was never fleet of foot. Um, nope. But I mean, if you let if you let Gino wind up in the defensive defensive third and use Rust's speed to catch uh, a chip and chase or a little soft dump or something like that, by the time those two boys get the puck back, Hornquist can be where he always makes a mess, which is in front of the net. So, yeah, you know. It's tough, though. Um, you know, the, the problem with the Penguins' breakout, Nashville's got the forecheck working. Pittsburgh is throwing it up the strong side wall. Nashville deep pinching. There's no room to get it up the middle because they're not creating time and space. And they're not um, doing it. They're not utilizing they look, the middle of the ice. They look exhausted. That's, that's the reality. When you... You get 10 minutes into the first period and you watch the Penguins trying to break out of their zone, they look exhausted. Like, if you got there and said Schultz and Dumoulin should play 25 minutes, I don't know, I agree, but they look exhausted now. <laughs> you know you know what's exhausting, though? Playing in your own end. Yep. When you're on the offense on the ice, you don't use as much energy because you're anticipating. You know what's going to happen. You ha you you're playing off your players who have the puck. Trying to to react to the other team is where you get tired. Oh, you get and they're doing it a ton. So my argument would be, yes, I know fatigue, but Schultz and Dumoulin, if they're going to push play the other way, it won't be as taxing on them, and they'll be able to play more minutes anyways. Yeah. So, uh, you know. Notice we haven't really talked much about Murray versus Flurry because I don't believe it merits any discussion. No, it doesn't. Matt Murray's the starter. It's the Stanley Cup final. End of story. It was surprising that they had the Saros conversation, really. No, that one's a valid one because he, he, his numbers were similar to Rene this year. I just, I that that, I that was a valid conversation because Rene has had an up and down history the last few years. He was remarkably terrible. Even Murray's games are better than Rene's two games. I realize it, and I do know that that Rene's save percentage as the playoffs have gone along has slowly gone the wrong direction. I'm aware of all of this, but if you're going to get there and say that the Rene argument was one to have. Then you look at Murray's two games and are you judging it purely on the numbers or the types of goals that he let in? Because his numbers are substantially lower than everything else he's provided. Well, you know, part of that is looking at breakaways and the high danger yep. stuff. Yep. 
which Murray's high danger save percentage numbers are better than Fleury's anyway. If you're going to try and make the argument that Fleury should replace him, it's like, well, Fleury's numbers don't suggest that with those particular shots, he's going to be any better anyway. This has been said on this podcast, Fleury's high danger save percentage numbers are among the lowest in the in the playoffs. Yeah. So Pittsburgh's issue is giving up breakaways and, and high danger chances. I think the conversation ends there. you, you got to play uh, positional Murray. Yeah, totally agree. So I guess we did bring it up, but I, I don't have much to add. Um, it's, 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 now, do we want to move on to the competition patheticness committee? Yeah, I mean, what the fuck then? <laughs> Honest. That, okay, so they meet. My Jerron Hainsey's on this committee. Daniel Winnick, you know, guys that, like, really? Yeah. That's, no, that's my, where we're going biggest, with this? We had this conversation. Was it Birch? Was it Stephen Birch that we were sort of having a, a yip-yap about this? You, you were. Oh, okay. Anyway, Birch's argument is that, you know, these players are good players. They should have a say. It's like, yeah, but they're also the ones that, like, you look at Winnick. What does Winnick do? He tries to bend the rules as far as he possibly can. You need to have a superstar defender on there. You need to have a superstar uh, forward on there and a superstar goalie on there. The competition the committee of- should consist of Sidney Crosby, Eric Carlson, uh, Brent Burns, Johnny oh, Gaudreau, um, a player like Patrick Kane, but not Patrick Kane. Um, <laughs> that's who I want to hear from. You need you need the game to be set up for them. That I, and I know you, you we probably get kickback from from people when, when when I say stuff like that. But the the reality is is that they're the I players. You, that you I don't out think of you do. Seat. I think I think there's a vocal minority that wants it to to be like the old days. Um, but new generation, younger hockey fans want to see cool things be done on the ice. Oh, Penguins are practicing now. Would you like the lines not to interrupt her? Gensel oh, and Sherry are with Sid. Oh, oh, good. Does it say, um, did Latang do anything more than just uh, no. tracksuit? No, 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 he's not. <laughs> but uh, that's together. That but was. Malkin has Wilson and Kessel. Scott Wilson Surely is back not. I'd rather have Kunitz there, to be honest with you. Wilson. If you're going to play Kessel there, I'm not going to put up a huge fight, but I, I do think splitting them into three different lines is, is worth talking about, as we did. Rust is on that third line with Cullen and Kunitz. Haglin, Rowney, Archibald, because Benino and Hornquist were not there. So we'll see tomorrow about Benino and Hornquist. I think, at least in Hornquist's case, it's a it's a maintenance day. I do hope they keep Shiri up there, though. Anyways, back to uh, the... So what did they decide they wanted to do? They wanted to... Oh, these these ideas are going to change everything. Not allowing a timeout after icing, which, fine. But that's like the main thing they came up that's, with. That's their billboard-making decision, wasn't it? That's, yeah. the, that's the groundbreaking thing. Oh, fuck. They did nothing with the coach's challenge. Because everybody in hockey loves it. Jesus. And the other one is if the power play team high sticks the puck, it goes to center ice and not their own end. Because we all know how often that happens or what the fuck difference it makes. It's ridiculous. And then there was the there was the Kiprios comment about the whole 80 slashes a game, we've got to stop. We've got to stop um, all the slashes. It was just like, what the hell? I, it's embarrassing. It's so embarrassing. This fucking league is embarrassing. <laughs> the solutions are so goddamn evident, and they ignore them. And simple. Simple. 2005-06 season. Done. Scoring is up. It's fun to watch. 
And yes, for the whiners out there, there'll be too many power plays. Players will adjust, just like they've adjusted to the fact they're allowed to slash people 5,000 goddamn times a game. Players will adjust to the standard. And if the standard goes back to the right way, you're going to have a free and open-wheeling 5v5 action that everybody wants. And you know what? I'd like to see them get it right so that we end up with McDavid and Matthews going toe-to-toe, end-to-end, chance-for-chance, skill-for-skill in a couple of years' time. Because I have no doubt that both those two two teams will be having a crack at a cup against each other, which would be bliss for Hockey Canada. So... I don't know. Do you have? Um, I mean, Bobby Orr's come out recently and said the abuse Sid takes is absurd. Yeah, but the the solution to this is supposed to be going back to the old ways, which is having enforcers out there to stop that shit from happening. Um, I don't think that not... was that Bobby Orr's. Or no, you're, no, no, you're no, no. Alluding no. to the what you're about to say, right? Yeah, yeah. So there's an article or in, oh god, where's it gone? <laughs> Uh, look look up um, at Ice Guardians they've got it because it was Trotchy Gillies Coffee and McSorley talking about the fact that they agree that all of the game stars are copping too much shit out there and they shouldn't be the issue I have with the article is that they wanted to go back to the way it was which is no instigator rule and basically it's just retribution or fear of retribution that would stop this shit from happening. And it won't. And it doesn't, so... And it won't. I mean... At least, they, at least they're acknowledging that the current standard is garbage. So you got yeah. guys that want to have people bare-knuckle fight saying, this is stupid. <laughs> the way it is now. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the thing that's, that's frustrating with it is that, you know, they use Kessler as the prime example in regards to all the garbage that Kessler did to... Um, McDavid through their playoff round and it's like all those things he did aren't legal all of those things should have been called for hooking or holding or interference or slew footing or just game misconducts you know what I mean and it's like you call a couple of them Kessler has to back off then all of a sudden you've got McDavid terrorising Anaheim and skill comes to the forefront not heart and grit and just Flat out cheating. You, you, we saw was a game was a game three that got out of hand. Was it Pittsburgh. It was. It was game three. The end of that game was an absolute joke. And the reason it was a joke is that the officials called nothing the entire fucking game. And then they went right. We better start tossing guys at the end of the game because this is getting out of hand. And I think it was Mike Russo said um, on Twitter, oh whoever the freaking official was. Great feel for the game. Get him out now. It's like, no, a great feel for the game would have been calling the penalties in the first 15 seconds when both teams were slashing the fuck out of each other. Oh, and just James Neal from, and Gensel. Yeah, just toss them, put them both in the box or freaking put one guy in and really set him. It would be really Neal in that circumstance, but yes. Yeah, but you know what I mean? It's like, just do something to set a standard. Not anything goes, which is what... As far as I've seen watching, you know, every Penguins playoff game so far this year, it has gotten worse and worse each round. The further into each round it's got, the worse the officiating has got. They ignore so much garbage. So it is not And it does not surprise me that you get into a blowout game where it has just been hack and whack that they did have to start tossing guys. But that doesn't mean that there was well-officiated tossing them at the end. Fucking control the game when the game matters. Calling penalties at the end of a game just to make it look like, oh, look, we, we called some. There's a lot of bullshit. It I'd, matters I'd rather they be but, called than not called, but I totally agree with the premise of what you're saying. Yeah. So it's like, for fuck's sake, call the penalties when they're there. And you can see them. If we can see them, why the fuck can't they? And it's because the NHL have told the officials, do not call them. Who is it Steve Welcome that's the head of officiating? used to be yeah well whoever it is now has obviously been given a directive do not call penalties 
because the shit that is getting missed now is so different than what happened in game 82 of the season is just a joke. And even the, the regular season penalty calling is, is too lax, I think. Sorry, rant done. Mm. Claps to the competition committee. Way to go. <laughs> Stupid fucking committees. So, well, game five. Will the Predators figure some things out from game four and get back to dominating? Or can the Penguins still split the attempts and come out on top? Because I do think that Murray will be better than 900 and Rene won't be 970. So, Well, if it all sort of balances through, game five should be an absolute corker then because everything should sort of collapse into that wonderful little narrative of everybody's worked everybody out now. They've done all their bullshitting around, and the last three games should be fantastic because everything should fall into that. Murray can't be that bad, and Rene shouldn't really be that good again. I mean, Rene has shown he's this playoff run. He's been very good for a lot of it. Yeah. And, uh, but 970 is really tough. I mean, you're asking a lot. With, with yeah, well, you said that about if they're splitting attempts in high danger, they had 13 high danger chances, and you go 970. That's um, that's a tough ask to, to keep doing yeah. it. Um, yeah. But there are only three games, maybe even two left. It can certainly happen over two games. You said it about Murray as well. You said asking him to be 970 when he was, uh, and to consistently do it was asking an awful lot. And as you can see, he couldn't do asking it for... a lot of flurry too. Yeah, yep. So, so, it's going to be interesting. I guess we'll leave on the, um, what just came through my Twitter feed. There are no changes to the defense pairings today for Pittsburgh. There's a part of me that wants this to be the reason they lose, don't, don't win the cup. But then I go, no, no, I really want them to win the cup. So, can they just fucking change it? Not according to today's practice, no. Dumoulin and oh. Hainsey continue to be the top pairing. Mata with Daly, Schultz with Cole. All right. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. Not good. Not good at all. So the, the, the Stanley Cup final schedule is Thursday and... Is it another one of those long layoffs? Yeah, it's two It's two twos. It's two days off between everyone now. Oh, is it really? Yeah. Oh, God. So I'm looking at Friday, Monday. Ryder Ryan, not, not a fan. <laughs> this sucks. All right, so tomorrow, Friday. Really? Sunday? Well, at least it's at night. All right, so Sunday... Maybe a Monday podcast, especially since the cup might be awarded. Well, if the cup's awarded, I'll just make sure that I'm available. Simple as that. Okay. Probably a Monday podcast then. Either way. It has a few. I don't think this is going to seven. You don't? Nah. There's something just there's this, just got this feeling to it that if if Nashville win game five, I think they'll win game six at home and go nuts. And I think if Pittsburgh win Game Five, they never seem to win a cup at home anyway. So <laughs> I was going to say, so keep that. They'll win going. it at six. They'll, they'll win it at six. Fair so point. fair point. It, it's it's really weird. It's it's it'll be like well, if the first case scenario comes up, Pittsburgh will have lost four in a row, which is weird in itself. Um, in that situation, well, and depending on be, how the games play out, maybe not totally undeserved either. No, 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 no. This is this is the thing. Like, if if it if it falls that way, my assumption is that Nashville have cons- have done what they did the first three games, which is just you know possessionally outplay Pittsburgh, and it's just a, a, a wave of. I wonder if this is how San Jose felt last year when Pittsburgh just dominated them possession, and it it just felt inevitable as a Penguins fan that they were going to win. I had so much faith in that process that and the the way the team was playing last year, whereas. This year, Nashville fans have every right to feel exactly the same way with how they're playing. They're, they are doing a lot of things right and um, should feel very, very confident with the three games left. And on the Pittsburgh side of it, I would cling to game four 
it being an improvement. And hey, if we 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 got some really good players on this team, as long as we can stem the getting killed in all the areas, we should be good too. Because our goalie's shown to be very good as well, even though yes. he he didn't. So, um, yeah, I think that's it. I think that covers us. Yes. Okay. We have patreon.com slash hockey hurts we have hockeyhurts.com. Uh, i noticed some of you have taken us up on giving the the reviews and kindly thank you and to the others we uh, would appreciate it if you did it as well so um thank you on that front whether that's itunes or android or wherever the hell you get the, the podcast <laughs> I, don't know what, I don't know what the other options are but um <laughs> HockeyBuzz.com is where you can find my Penguin articles. At Walshy66, at Gunnerstall, at Hockey underscore Hertz. And we got one more. What is it? We have. We have actually uh, thrown the podcast out into um, out into the podcast advertising marketplace. So on the, um, on the article page on the Hockey Hertz website, you will see... Um, there's a link there. Just click on that if you want to get out to our 20,000 listeners and um, push your products. We'll be happy to do it, um, as long as you're not uh, trying to sell us something crap. Um, but otherwise, yeah, it's it's there for you to have a look at. Um, we've got a few people that listen to the podcast, so if you'd like to push a product and have us do it for you, we'd be more than happy to do so. And I, I do just want to say, I know we've been ad-free for a long time, they won't be super intrusive. It'll be like a minute and a half to two minutes total for the hour or hour and a half. We're not going overboard with it, but servers need to be paid. Um, right. And if it, it does, and if it absolutely takes off, um, we can do more of these things. That was the other that's, thing. We would increase the yeah. frequency, probably the quality. Maybe. Hopefully, <laughs> but um, you know, I know there's always concerns about that, but um, the plan wouldn't be to hijack the podcast and make it uh, God, no. something no, 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 that no, no, no. is unbearable. So know that it's probably going to be coming eventually. Uh, we're just kind of in the beginning stages of figuring that kind of stuff out. And um, but that that wasn't even the one I was referencing. What else did you do in the last day or two? Oh, a new website. Shit. <laughs> I take it that's what you're talking about. And the other one so, that begins with an F. Yeah, yeah. So update the website. Let us know if it's any good or if it's crap. But we also have a Facebook page now. Finally, so um, you can find us there. It's just uh, Hockey Hurts. I'm pretty sure. Good God, why can't I remember it now? Memory like a sieve, people. <laughs> Not good. Uh, good grief. Where's it gone? It's on there. It's there. Just search for Hockey Hurts inside a freaking Facebook and you'll find it. All right. Actually, I can't find it right now. Where's it gone? I know it's there. I just posted on it. So we'll be putting stuff up on there as well. Sounds oh, like God. <laughs> oh, that was terrible. I found it. Oh, good. This one of us did. It exists. Oh, Go find it. And um, we'll uh, we'll be chatting again, I believe, on Monday. Whether it be a I championship so. or looking at uh, a game seven. So exciting stuff. We'll see Thanks, guys. See you.